Well, the first storyteller you're going to get to meet tonight is Tony Lee. Welcome, Tony, and thank you for agreeing to sit down and talk a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right. And I guess we'll start off by sort of what we call the the elevator speech. A little bit about who is Tony Lee. Well, uh, I'm I'm a teacher, um, and um, I have... um, enjoyed uh, storytelling a couple other times at uh, WSCA and think it's a great a great thing that you do for the community um, I uh, I like to um, sail I enjoy sailing a lot um, I'm sitting next to Mike Lang who is a former student when I was an intern at Moharmet Elementary um, Mike was in my class and so <clears throat> it's kind of interesting um, yeah, that's yeah, very interesting. Yes, and I've just thrown um, Mike's mic on. If Mike would like to, do you have any memories of Tony as a teacher? Yeah, I've got all kinds of memories <laughs> of Tony Lee as my teacher or the intern in my class. Yeah. And uh, I, don't know, I just remember uh, the the one thing that uh, that really stands out to me is him reading the was it the True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle? Was that the book you read? That I was think I might have. Yeah, on, on the ship. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's where my interest in uh, nautical stuff comes from is is you reading that in fifth grade and the civil war reenactment stuff we did and uh, our shakespeare plays yeah. good memories well yeah that was uh, <clears throat> lots of fun what i remember uh, feeling terrible about mike was we, we went <laughs> off to um uh environmental camp and um they had a tradition there where they big dining hall kind of thing and they would if it was um somebody's birthday they would really try and humiliate them and when yeah. they sing skip around the room skip around the room we won't shut up until you skip around the room and soon after we came back um you had a birthday yes and and um it was like the monday or tuesday after we were going to be back from environmental camp right right and um um uh, mark milliken and i thought it'd be a great idea to sing skip around the room to you and you know as you've said before you know you, you couldn't see very well yeah it's kind and, of a dark room which that plus my vision impairment that Good time. <laughs> well, good time was uh, was uh, awful because um, you tripped and then yeah. it was it was bad. It was just like, you know, I really felt like I've got no business being in the classroom. But, <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> but I, you know, almost you made you it. not go down that path. Absolutely <laughs> made me doubt wow. it. Uh, I'm yeah. glad you did go down that path because uh, uh, your students have uh, have have spoken about you. The the ones that I've met, well, that's uh, awful. your past students as well. So awful kind. Uh, clearly they. Clearly, they remember something about you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, you know, we're just we'll just keep everybody's mics on here tonight. We'll just okay. go a little roundtable yeah, here. But yeah, we sure will. Tony, you've mentioned you are a third grade teacher. Um, how about telling us a little bit? Does storytelling come into play in the classroom, and how do you use it in the classroom? Well, I wish it did more. And and again, I think this is an, another memory of that year we had together, Mike, is is this fabulous storyteller, Len Cabral. Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Which I can just see you smiling about how fabulous that was and how inspiring. And the way he um, he said a couple of things, you know, he, he did some stuff with the kids and <clears throat> told some fabulous stories. But 
he gave the best advice I've ever heard about storytelling was to to love your story. Make sure that you really love it and know where you're going, but don't get too caught up in the details, but to be sure that you really love it. Yeah. And, and he had another metaphor about um, using your voice like a, 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 a garden hose, not pinching it off and let sort of... The crowd and a lot of good tips, and I think we 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 did some storytelling that year as you know inspired by that. But you've really you've really taken off with your your telling stories, Mike. Yeah, that sort of happened by accident, but may, maybe it does go back to seeing Len Cabral when when I was that age. Uh, but that's one of the things that I do nowadays is storytelling, along with writing and music. But uh, storytelling, I sort of fell into by accident when I was coming back to Muhammad Elementary School, where Tony teaches, and I don't remember exactly how it happened, but there's something in the morning where the principal usually reads to the kids, and every now and then he invites a guest in, and... I, at the time, was going through a career change, and he invited me to come and tell some stories, and it sort of evolved from there into something that I'm doing a lot of now. And this is the the storied Dennis Harrington. Yes. Great guy. He's, he's um, I think he's 72 or something, and has been at Moharamid Elementary since it was built 27 years ago or something. Yeah, it would have been uh, 89 is that the year? Uh, I only know that because that's the year I came to Durham, and I was a first grader that year when the school opened. Oh. Huh. Hmm? He describes the those as kind of rough days. <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were you roughing kids up at the on the playground or anything? I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a nice school, and and um, it's so great when you come back, and uh, that's called early morning dialogue. Yes, that's what it's called. And it, it it's a pretty cool thing on Wednesdays they let the teachers get together to collaborate and there's um, the, usually Dennis reads a story to the younger kids or something like that but that's a, another part fine part of that school tradition yeah well yeah. Tony you've been teaching and Mike you tell stories to school kids you know very often um, have you seen stories change over the years? Um, now that we've got more technology, has um, storytelling to kids changed? Has the stories they want to hear changed? Gosh, I don't know. Um, yeah, what I don't, do you think? I don't know either. Um, for me, for me, I don't. I don't really know because I have not been doing storytelling, at least professionally, putting myself out there that much for that long of a time. Uh, I only started as a storyteller probably, yeah, not that long ago, four or five years, not that long, but compared to some people who have been telling stories for 30, 40 years, going to all kinds of different places, I have heard from them talk about how things have changed. I haven't experienced it myself, so I don't really feel like I can talk too intelligently about that, but I'm... I, it has changed because we, as people and as children, have changed, certainly. Well, maybe. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's true, but um, I find it harder to hold an audience in my classroom. I mean, they don't. Yeah. They, um, it seems i got to work harder to, to capture and keep attention. But you know, that, that may not be true. There may be more sign of me getting older than uh, kids changing. Kids are probably about the same they were. Yeah. 
They like stories. I mean, that's that's another thing that that was that um, Len Cabral said was that how important storytelling would be in a community that yes. you'd have some greedy guy and you wouldn't want to really call him out, but you tell a story about somebody who made sort of selfish choices and you show how that affects the community around them, but with a sense of humor, exactly, and uh, so that you don't. Um, yeah, you don't shame anybody, but you let invite them to do a little reflecting. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, tonight you're both, you know, telling your stories, and we've got a theme tonight, but how do you generally pick what stories to tell, what stories to develop? Well, for me, I think there's kind of two things. Of One, I definitely go with that Len Cabral idea of love your story. The only stories that I tell are stories that I love and really enjoy telling. But then for me, there's another piece of stories that I think my audience are going to enjoy or stories that might have a message that they'll appreciate, they'll need, want to hear. That's really where I start. How do you do it, Tony? Well, I don't have a lot of experience um, just as the storytelling, but... um I guess it's that, that love in the story or feeling like you need to tell the story. The story tonight is um, kind of directed at a uh, former colleague. Um, he died, and uh, I guess it's kind of, you know, I don't know what that is. It's made me want to um, acknowledge uh, some gratitude towards him. But um, I don't know. That's... Yeah. 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 Do you, um, you know, we like to ask the different folks that are in the interview, like, do you remember, like, the first story that, you know, um, you really latched on to as a child? Um, I, do, I do. I remember Uncle Bill Snow would come to the house. He was a poet um, who would be, um, he, he taught up. Uh, he's taught in Middlebury, Connecticut, and he and he summered in Maine. But he'd stop at our house in Peterborough, sometimes on the way. And he had this voice that would—it was like iron on velvet. And he would tell these stories. And we would beg him for these stories about. Um, there was a ghost who would say, "Come shave me," and it would—it would just give you goosebumps. It was so scary. And he had other. Uh, another story about a um, a lot of them were about the down east, but there was there was a story about a, a like a floating zoo in the 1800s that it would go around to communities in Maine, and it it this zoo sank in a hurricane, and the maybe that's where that was from the the, the come shave me or some animal's ghost. Oh, scary! <laughs> How about you? I think, oh well, for me, the first story I remember really latching on to, I was in kindergarten, and either it was played for us off an audio cassette or something, was um, Abby Yo-Yo by um, Bob, Pete Seeger. There we go. I, I can remember it if I try. Uh, Pete Seeger's Abby Yo-Yo, and... I heard this for the first time when I was probably five years old and fell in love with the music and the story, and it still is one of my favorites. Oh, you're making me think of all these. My my dad had a lot of, like, um, comic records, you know, with 
Bob right? Newhart and, mm. and uh, Jonathan Winters and all these people. But um, I remember adoring um, some like kids' story things. Like I, I think I had a recording of um, Alice in Wonderland that I, you know, there was about almost a dozen LPs or something. You should have to put them on and um, other stories like that were. Yeah, they were wonderful, wonderful things, and and you know I was read to as a child, mm. and I guess you know my favorite storytelling was when uh, my son was about uh, he was about two or three or something, and I that I had a couple of jobs. One was uh, I was in charge of the bath. I would be able to I would regulate how many toys went in the bathrooms. <laughs> That's <laughs> an important also, job. <laughs> I also would be trusted to put them to bed, and I would tell them I'd just, just make up stuff. Yeah. And, uh, the stories would usually begin with a, a boy who lived on a, in a yellow house at the top of a hill, and all kinds of weird things would happen. But, was your house yellow at the time? Yes, it was okay. yellow. <laughs> and at the top, at the top of, the of a hill. It was at the top of the <laughs> right. hill. Right. And a lot of the rest of it, though, were the cows that would come floating by the window and stuff. That that was not true. No. Right. But, but very, very fun. Very fun. Yeah. 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 Mike, do you remember the first story you told as a storyteller? I do, actually. And this was sort of what got me into storytelling was completely accidental. I was working at a summer camp when I was 17 and got there the first day. It was great. And night rolled around and I realized I was in charge of a cabin of about half a dozen or so 13-year-olds and it was my job to make them go to sleep. And I tried everything I could think of, and at my wit's end, I finally told them, if you are ready for bed in the next five minutes, I will tell you a story. And to my absolute horror, they did what I asked. And so now all these kids are looking at me, sitting on their bunks in their pajamas, waiting for their story. And I thought as quickly as I possibly could, and as hard as I possibly could, and I remembered a book from second grade that was read to us, and I have since read many times, called Keepers of the Earth, and all of these wonderful Native American stories. And so I said, all right, here's a story from the Algonquin people. And I started telling the story of Guscabe and the Great Game Bag, which is one of my favorites when I was growing up. And it's basically about how he goes out hunting and he can't catch anything. He gets upset about this and he goes and asks Grandmother Woodchuck to make him a bag, which is a magical bag. And he fits all the animals of the forest into this bag by telling them the world's going to be destroyed. And now he's got all the animals in the world in his bag, so he doesn't have to hunt anymore. This is great until Grandmother Woodchuck says, Guscabi, what are you doing? There's a reason that things are like this. Go make this right. And so he does. He goes out into the forest and he opens his bag and tells the animals that, yeah, the world was destroyed, but don't worry. I put it back together again. Everything's all good. <laughs> and the animals are still out there to this day. And when I finished telling this story, the kids wanted another. And the next thing I knew, the next morning, the entire camp found out that my cabin had stories and they all wanted stories now. And so every year when I would work at this summer camp, I would be the camp storyteller. That's that's how storytelling became part of what I do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tell well, me. Sto stories were big at uh, a couple of camps um, I worked at, and 
Yeah, that's a really that's the best place yeah. with, with a with a fire popping and Absolutely. people cold on their back and warm on their faces and focused on the story. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we earlier this year we had I would imagine that you know teachers and folks that work with kids you know storytelling is a really useful tool. Um, we also earlier this year interviewed a lawyer and we agreed that it was a useful tool for him as well. Um, trying to sum up the the case on behalf of his defendant it's like needing to like weave a story um, yeah. so um yeah it's we're finding you know more and more it well in almost every job um storytelling comes in handy tony um you've also done some acting in the past on audio theater and you're gonna do so again oh, next month yeah. yeah okay well how how is it different standing behind the mic with a script than standing up behind a mic and telling a story? Well, in either case, I <clears throat> I feel like I'm really I've been told I'm really suited for radio. I've got a, I've got a face for it, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I lo- absolutely love um, those uh, old radio dramas, and it makes me feel nostalgic for a time I didn't experience really uh, firsthand, of you know gathered and just kind of like that. The campfire thing of listening and and letting your imagination make pictures um, that um, can be very compelling. Um, I used to listen to. I had tapes of of old um, dramas that were really chilling and just they're just very disturbing <laughs> and fun. And I, I really look forward to the. I think it's the Foley artist uh, doing the the footsteps. Nice. <laughs> the, uh, I think John Lovering has. A, uh, I've seen somehow pictures that maybe even has one. A wind machine, this kind of canvas the thing. The wind machine will be here next month. Oh my gosh! <laughs> nice, so great. You get to use the wind machine. We promise. Oh boy, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, very good. I'm so I'm really looking forward to that. But you asked, how is it different from the stage? Um, I don't think this. I don't know. I've, uh, I don't know this. So, right, you just you just enjoy I look performing be- I, 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 with your voice. I feel like I look a lot better on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Mike, you do a little performing yourself. Well, you tell folk tales and legends. Yes. Um, so you've got to get into character, I would imagine, when you're telling those. Um, yeah, for some of them, do absolutely. You, do you enjoy those fictional stories where you can kind of get into character? And I really do. Yeah, I I, I love. My favorite stories usually involve a character with some ridiculous voice. I, I think most of my characters, they, they have their own voice that's that character's voice. Um, some of my favorites are Paw Patrol from a Christmas story that I wrote. With, oh, you know, uh, i, I got to get into character now and think about, oh, how does he sound? How does he really think? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Um, you know, and just having that ability to be a little ridiculous, yet still have some message that I'm trying to provide through that character and whatever silliness is going on. I think it's my experiential education background that to make people laugh, but learn something while you're having fun. Yeah, <laughs> and you do have a business which um, the Coyotes Inc. Well, you yes. want to tell us a little bit about that? So the Coyotes Inkwell is something that I founded about five years ago, and originally it was for writing and storytelling, and 
I still do a combination of the two. I'm more focused on my storytelling right now, mostly because my writing has sort of consolidated itself into one novel that I'm trying to write, desperately trying to write. And so my storytelling is what I'm doing more through my business at this point. Right, right. Yeah, and how is business? Is storytelling more in demand? Well, that's a really good question because I think there are a lot of people out there who really want stories and who really need stories. They can't always afford to pay someone, and so there's always that balancing act for every professional, especially performing artists, whether you're a musician or a writer, is balancing that... Can I afford to pay my rent today versus can I just give this to the audience that I want to give it to? And that's a hard balance for a lot of storytellers. Fortunately for me, I've been having this other program that's come into my life that my story tonight is about, is about an adaptive sports program that I'm doing through the New Hampshire Association for the Blind. And that's fortunate and unfortunate at the same time because it takes so much of my time to do this, I have less time for storytelling. and. For me, it's all about trying to balance things. Are you going to talk about beep ball? Yeah, I'm going to talk about some beep kickball tonight. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, and that's um, True Life Story. Do you find, um, as you're kind of going through your life, do you kind of have those, wow, this would make a great story moment? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there are some that I kind of say, well, that would make a great story, but it's got to wait. We'll put that aside until the people who are part of that story have had time to get over whatever just happened, and then we'll tell the story a little later. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and what types of stories do, do you folks all enjoy listening to? Do you listen to other people's stories? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Love uh, stories. Well, love what love kind stories. do you like, Tony? Well, I like any any story. I like uh, I like to laugh. I like I think humor's fun. Um, I was gonna say one other thing about you were asking about um, like the theatric. What, what right. about theater and stuff? Is um, I remember. I, I, I believe um, it's it can be really important. Um, and I one more story thing about that year when I was an intern in um, Mike's class was we put on some Shakespeare scenes. And Mike, I think you were in um, the Hamlet, the Hamlet scene where, where everybody gets sl- slaughtered. Uh, I, I was Claudius. Yeah, that's right. Of course, I was the king. So you were run through and had poison poured down your throat. That, that's that, right. That uh, this really great guy. The, that, I think it was my buddy Brian Badgel who was killing me, right? Uh, I think he was. Or was it Paul Hodgkins who was killing me? Everybody was wanted you dead. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, because I'm the king, <laughs> right? <laughs> But the, the, I remember the the teacher uh, Mark Milliken, great guy, um, said to me after we, you know we were working. I said, "You that's important. You think he could see that I valued the 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 that 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 um, some of the other parts of my edu- uh, teaching job didn't didn't seem to um, bring out as much of me as the the theater. I think it's yeah. it's fun." Well, we're going to tell some stories um, tonight. They're they're true tales. Um, you know, you've mentioned that you you know listen to some um, fictional stories. Um, Want to give us the the ten second preview of your stories for tonight? Ooh, I'd be happy to. I, this is a, a story about <clears throat> a guy named Peter I taught with 
who, uh, as I said, passed away, and I'm very grateful to um, to what he showed me. And um, I'm going to tell a story about trying to pull a prank on him that um, didn't go quite the way I'd expected, <laughs> as they often do. There it is. Yeah. And my story is about this athletics program that I'm doing, Adaptive Sports, how it got started, and really what keeps me doing it. Right, right, yeah. And future holds for you storytelling-wise, Mike. We is, assume you are going to continue with the business. and Yeah, I, I intend to continue doing storytelling in some capacity. I always enjoy telling a story of any kind to any audience who wants to hear one. And for me, that's what storytelling is really all about, is the connection between sharing that story and receiving that story. Right. And before we go, why don't you, if you don't mind, want to just tell um, our listeners a little bit. I know you're a member of like the League of Advancement of New England Storytellers and some of the organizations out there that are promoting storytelling. Yeah, some of the local ones are the Seacoast Storytellers Guild that is right here in Portsmouth and the surrounding towns. They meet the first Wednesday of every month at the Portsmouth Public Library, uh, I believe 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. until they throw us out. And that is open to the public for anyone who wants to come and hear some stories or try their hand at telling a story. Uh, there's also the New Hampshire Storytelling Alliance, which, as the name implies, is a statewide organization. The League for the Advancement of New England Storytellers, uh, that is all of New England plus New York. Uh, those are the only ones I'm thinking about off the top of my head, but there are, of course, other small groups here and there of people who love to share and right. listen so the, to stories. So the people are looking for some to go out and hear some stories being told. There are plenty of venues Absolutely. where they just need to look. Well, I want to thank the two of you um, for sitting down with us tonight, and we look forward to hearing your stories. Um, True Tales Radio is going to get underway in just a couple of minutes after we hear from legendary storyteller Catherine Tucker Wyndham, and Michael and Tony will be along um, later tonight. They are number five and six in your lineup, so before we get to them, we have Sylvia... Kathy, Pat, um, we've got a great lineup for you, so stick around. Thanks, guys, and we'll listen to you later. Thank you.